everyone. Welcome to the Lazy Parenting Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about grief and how we as parents can help our kids navigate all of these big emotions that they are no doubt grappling with in the wake of a tragedy. This topic hits close to home because today is my mom's 80th birthday had she been alive. She passed away three years ago after a really long battle with cancer and health issues, but died very unexpectedly. And navigating through that and all that that entailed with my kids and with my own feelings was really challenging and really tricky. In addition, Here locally, we just lost three young boys in a tragic car accident. The impact of those boys' death is no doubt huge on so many of their friends and families here locally. You may know somebody who has lost a sibling, has lost a parent, has lost a beloved aunt or uncle. So grief is all around us. As parents, it's really important that we provide a safe place for our kids to unpack all of these emotions, to deal with their grief, with their anger, and help them come through the tragedy to the other side. Hello, and welcome to the Lazy Parenting Podcast, hosted by me, Stephanie Kennedy, the self-proclaimed OG Lazy Parent. Every week, we're going to dive deep into the concept and methodology of lazy parenting, and I'll share all of my tips and tricks and strategies to help support you in this crazy journey of parenting that we are all on. So listen in, implement the strategies, and watch as your children become more independent, more capable, more self-reliant in all of their things. You'll be amazed as you watch their confidence grow, and they become happy, joyful, kind, empathetic, young adults ready to head off on their own, living their true purpose. Sounds exciting, right? So let's go. Let's all become lazy parents. Now, this is a huge topic, and I highly suggest that if your child is really struggling, or not even really struggling, but if you have the means to sign them up or get them some counseling or some therapy to help them through this, that's always the number one way to go. I am not a certified counselor, so what I'm going to talk about is, as a mom, my experience on how I have helped my kids deal with the tragedies of our lives, and I hope that they can help you as you navigate this terrible time for your child as well. I know as parents we want to shield our children from all the pain and suffering in the world, but it's really important to understand that that's impossible. We can't shield them from everything that's going to happen. They are going to get hurt. They are going to suffer tragedy, loss, and it's going to hit really close to home, unfortunately. How much pain or heartbreak that they feel, how we help our kids through that tragedy or loss is largely dependent on how we are managing our own grief as well. So we need to talk about that first. We know that a large part of parenting and helping our children become amazing human beings comes from modeling the behaviors that we want to see in our children. And this can be something that we all struggle with on a day-to-day basis with simple things like controlling our own temper, about looking at the positive, about being kind to one another. We all have bad days as parents. We all don't always model the behaviors we want to see in our children, right? We do as I say, not as I do. But in this case, it's really important that we figure out 
our own emotions and our own grief and model the process that we go through to our children so they can see that the things that they are feeling within their own minds and their own bodies isn't abnormal, isn't out of, you know, out of the ordinary, that they are normal, that they, what they're feeling and what they're going through is the normal grieving process. So watching our language that we're using, watching our body language as well, modeling appropriate ways to handle our grief and our pain. It's important that we show our grieving children, our children who are struggling at that moment, that it is possible to manage their pain and their feelings. It is possible to get to the other side, to be able to process it all. So one of the things I do want to talk about is the use of catastrophic language. So when we're going through a really difficult time, how are we modeling to our children how we're feeling? Are we saying things like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. I can't imagine ever not feeling sad. How am I ever going to feel better? I can't handle this pain. Instead of talking with dire language like that, which could justifiably cause our children more stress, we need to be really careful in choosing our words. So instead, trying to say, I'm having a really hard time today. I'm having a sad moment. Using language that is finite, meaning it's about being in the moment, not that this is going to last forever, or not words that say that you are so deep in the grief that you can never imagine coming out of it. We need to role model to our children that we know that this is a process and it's going to take time, but that there is an end or a lessening to the grief. No, the grief doesn't necessarily go away, but it will lessen and we will get on with our lives. Now, having said that, you have to be able to do this yourself in order to be a role model to your children. And if you're struggling with the grief and you feel like you're in that valley and all of that darkness is on top of you and you can't imagine getting out of that darkness, then you need to get help for yourself. Because if you can't process, if we can't process our own grief, and if we can't handle our own stress and anxiety and fears, then how are we going to help our children through it? So first, take care of you. Make sure that you are able to be your very best so that you can be there for your child to help your child through this. The second thing I want you to think about and possibly let go of is any expectations that you might have about how you think your child should be grieving. Grief is varied. Everybody handles grief and sadness in a different way. And while we might have one child who wants to talk incessantly about what happened, the details, all of it, you might have another child who slams her door and never wants to talk about it. And we have to respect both of those ways of dealing with grief. Knowing in advance the different kinds of ways children might express grief is important though. And so I want to talk about a few things that you might see in your child. Number one, you might see changes in your child's progress at school. You might see changes in their sleep and appetite. They might sleep more. They might have difficulty sleeping. They might stop eating or they might eat more. You might see fluctuations in their mood, like big swings up and down. And you might see a detachment, like apathy. You might see all kinds of behavior that ultimately are a result of the grief 
and the unpacking that they're going through in their own brain. The biggest thing I think to remember here is that all of these behaviors, all of these out of character or not normal behaviors that you're seeing in your child doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to last forever. It's probably just a temporary thing while they figure it out and while you help guide them through it. However, although I encourage you to be compassionate and patient with your child, if you are seeing signs of violence or other extreme types of behavior from a grieving child, it's important to get them help. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, I think counseling and professional help are always a good idea. Heck, we could all use counseling and professional help throughout our lives if we can manage it. The third thing that we can control with our children during this time is how connected and a part of their family they are feeling. How strong is their sense of belonging to their family during this time? It needs to be significant. We need to even turn it up. We need to make sure that they feel relied on, loved, looked up to. We need to understand that they could be questioning their own place in the family based on the tragedy that they're going through. And so as a parent, what we can control is how much time we spend with each of our children or with that child in particular during their grief doing something that they want to do, doing something that they care about. And it's going to be different depending on which of our children we're helping through. And if it's a tragedy that all of your children are feeling, it's important that each of them is approached in a unique and individual way because each of them is going to process their grief in a different and unique way. So for one child, it might be going and taking them to a trampoline park. For another child, it might be playing their favorite board game. For another child or teenager, maybe, it would be sitting on the couch watching a TV show together. How can you meet your child where they're at doing what they want to do so that they feel connected and an important part of the family? Where this gets tricky is in the previous point. If we have not yet dealt with our own emotions and if we are swimming in the grief of the event, then how can we help our children by giving them the attention and the love and the connection that they need so badly at this time? And I know we don't mean to do it intentionally, but if we are so wrapped up in ourselves and in our own emotions and we haven't placed a time or we haven't gotten therapy to help us with that, we're not going to be able to help our children and we're going to be unintentionally pushing them aside and not helping them through the grief. Now, the last piece of note on this point is it's important to let your child be the guide through their grief. If they want to be left alone more than usual, that's okay. Just make sure that they know that when they need you, you are there. And this is where like proximity can play a big role. If you have middle school kids or preteens or teens, you know that they start to pull away a little bit just in their regular day as they begin to navigate teenagehood and all the feelings and emotions that come along with that. Proximity is really, really important. Just being home with your child, just sitting in the same room as your teenager, All of those things, making sure the door is open to those conversations 
is super important. They might happen in the car, they might happen on the couch. And just asking every so often and seeing what their reaction is. If they give you a little bit of a door opening, can you open the door into a further conversation? And just showering them with as much love and attention that they want, well, that's gonna take you super far through this process. The fourth thing that we can control as we help our children navigate through their grief is their world has just been turned upside down through the loss, through the tragedy, through whatever the grief is that they're going. And it is our job as the parents to try to provide consistency and normal boundaries and routines through this time. Because if we can provide a normal schedule, familiar rules, familiar structure in their life, we're going to give them security. And that's what they need. They need to know that they can count on us. Unless they request otherwise, we want to keep taking them to soccer practice, keep taking them to dance class, keep going to cheer practice. And even though your gut instinct might be to, oh, she's really going through a tough time, I'm just going to let her off the hook. I'm just going to accept that behavior. I'm going to just let her be mean to her sibling or punch her sibling. It's actually really, really important that you fight that urge. We need to maintain the family's normal rules, boundaries, and schedule during this time. It's really important that we maintain control of the family and the rules and the boundaries and the behaviors that are happening while still being compassionate and patient when they misstep. It's clear expectations that is actually going to provide them with the comfort that they need to get through this difficult time. They need to know that there is somebody looking after them in spite of all the chaos that's going on around them. They need to know that there is someone protecting them even if they fight you. It's like parenting. They want to push the boundaries. They want to step out of the safety of what's going on, but it's your job as the parent to make sure that you are consistent and that they know where those boundaries are. And that while you might engage in a conversation more than you would have before, or you might give them a little bit more leeway while they're going through this, there's still certain things that they are not allowed to do. There are still certain rules and family expectations that they have to abide by. The fifth thing that I want to talk about is guilt. It's really important that our children do not blame themselves for what is going on. Whether it's a divorce, whether it's a friend's death, oftentimes children will feel responsible for what happened. And this misplaced guilt is common for all of us when we're dealing with grief. We often blame ourselves and spend many years trying to figure out that it wasn't actually our fault. And children are no different. It's important that they are informed, sometimes repeatedly, that there is no way that they are the reason for the loss or the grief. Even if their friend died in a car crash on the way to their house, your daughter invited them over and they died on the way to your house, that is not mean it is their fault that that happened. She did not cause the crash. It is not her fault. The sixth thing I want to talk about is outlets for grief. So finding appropriate outlets for our children, I think is the most important or one of the most important pieces that I'm going to talk about today. 
each of our children are going to have a different way that they're going to want to let out their grief. Number one, maybe they have anger and they need to get that anger out. Can they get it out in a physical way? Is that what they need? Do they need a punching bag? Do they need to rip paper up and stomp on it? Do they need to throw things to break them? Do they need to throw pills or stuffed animals at the wall? Do they need to go out into a field and scream? How can we as parents help them find the relief from the anger that they might be feeling inside? So that's the first kind. Number two, if they're young, do they need to play? Often they get through their grief by make-believe, by playing. Maybe they are reenacting what happened with their Barbies or with their dolls or their pet shops or their stuffed animals. Maybe they are using their toy cars to work out their grief. Whatever it is, try to give them the opportunity to process that loss, process that grief through play. And if you can play along with them, that is awesome if they invite you to do that. The third kind is you might have a child who likes to talk a lot and communicate, or you might have a child who doesn't want to talk about it at all. Talking, though, is one of the number one ways that we can process grief. So if you can encourage your child to talk through it, or if you have a child who loves to talk, make sure you're giving them the time to talk through it, whether it's with you, whether it's with another trusted adult, whether it's with a counselor, someone who is willing to listen and guide them through that grief talk, processing talk, is super important. And as I said, a counselor is often the best person for that job. But if you can be open to it, then that's fantastic. Another way is creativity. Maybe your child is a creative soul and they want to journal or draw or paint or animate or make things and that's how they're going to get their grief out. If we can encourage our kids to turn their emotions, whether it's sorrow or grief, into something beautiful, well then that's amazing. If they want to dance, if they want to go play basketball, if they want to make something out of Lego or clay or paper mache, how can we be there to support them through that creative process and give them the tools that might help them? Funerals and rituals is another way that can help our children process grief. I know from my own experience as a teacher and living through some tragic deaths that happened in that community, that often those rituals, those ceremonies are very therapeutic for the community. Whether it's a candlelight vigil, whether it's going to the site of the car accident and laying flowers, whether it's the community coming together and grieving together, those are all things that are healthy and can help your child get through that grief and process that grief and not feel so alone in it. In regards to funerals, although we might want to protect our children children from attending funerals because we think that they're too young or they can't handle it. Kids are really resilient and it, these sorts of rituals and ceremonies can often help bring closure to the grief for some, can help them process it. So really try to allow your children to attend these things and have the time to say goodbye and to process what is going on with them. They deserve a chance to do that as much as any of us deserve that chance. They also will learn empathy as they watch others deal with the grief and that might help them realize further that they're not alone in this process. No matter what your child is facing, what grief, what tragedy, what sorrow is has hit your family right now or has hit your child, it's really important to remember that often outside help is needed. 
So can you search out a counselor? Can you search out a therapist? Can you search out a spiritual leader in your community to help guide you and guide your child through this time? It's important also to ask for help from those around you. Ask for help from those in your circle. We can't do this alone. We can't parent alone. We need our support system to help us through, especially during the difficult times. I hope you found the tips and the strategies that I presented today helpful for you if you are going through a difficult time. And while I know that we always say that the tough times are what make us stronger, really what grief does and what these difficult times do is it makes us realize what truly is important in our lives, and that is our relationships and our family. My hope is that these coping strategies I've presented will help remind you to focus on your child, to focus on making them feel connected and loved as they navigate through this difficult time. It's not going to be easy no matter what you do. It's going to be tough. You don't know how long it's going to take to navigate through and get to the other side, but you do know that they will make it through. They will smile again. They will laugh again. And so will we. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope you found value in today's episode. It is always my intention to help you become a parent who teaches and leads by example so that your kids can become the very best versions of themselves. I want you to be a lazy parent, a parent who raises an independent, empathetic, self-assured young adult who you are proud of and who you have a relationship with built on mutual respect. I want your kids to be the kids who make a difference in the world and have positive impact on those around them. I would also like to ask you to please rate and review this show after you've listened to it. I would love it and encourage you to take a picture of the episode and post it on your social media. It is only through that way that more people can find out about the Lazy Parenting Show and the Lazy Parenting Podcast and that we can all come together as a community to help each other. I hope that you are a part of the community on Facebook and on Instagram. Come and follow me and let's share and communicate with each other and learn from each other. Once again, thank you for joining me today. Lots of love.